With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody, and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. My name, of course, is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at If The Chew Fits. Today is June 27th, and we are going to talk about baseball. We'll start out with some injuries and transactions. Ronald Acuna Jr. was held out Sunday with pain in his left foot. Reports state he couldn't put any weight on it, but he does hope to be cleared within the next few days. Bryce Harper is out indefinitely with a broken left thumb. More news likely to come later this week, but I wouldn't be shocked if this holds him out for at least four to six weeks, even if surgery is not required. Chris Sales expected to throw a three-inning rehab start in A later this week, hopefully on Thursday. Yohan Moncada is on track to return from the IL when first eligible on Tuesday. Chris Bryant is likely to come off the IL today, just in time for a nice little homestand in Coors Field. Mookie Betts, who we had hoped would be gone just two weeks, still doesn't have a an exact return date yet may need an extra week or two before he's back. Brandon Woodruff, who's dealing with a hand issue, he does look slated to return on Tuesday, so get him in your lineups. Hunter Renfro hit the IL with a left calf injury. Colton Wong, who's been on the IL, should be back starting on Tuesday for the Brewers. Jorge Polanco is slated to return sometime during the series against the Guardians coming up, so make sure he's getting ready to be put into your lineups and that you're starting to make room. Max Scherzer makes his second rehab start on Tuesday, so that's definitely something for you to track, especially if you're scouring those minor league box scores. Glaber Torres has a mild ankle sprain. He was taken out of Sunday's game early, definitely something you'll want to keep an eye on. Brandon Crawford has a bulky left knee, and he hit the IL. And finally, Jack Flaherty was removed from his start with shoulder stiffness. I'm sure we'll get more on that uh, as the week progresses. And we'll take a look at the hitting action from yesterday. If you want to know more, of course, check out the batter's box on the site, written by our own Adam Houts. Today. We'll start with Dalton Varsho. He went two for four with a home run, two runs scored, three RBI, and a walk. His June OPS remains under 600, but perhaps the back to back games with an extra base hit, his first such strength since late May, will get him going again. He still remains one of fantasy's top options behind the backstop. Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals, he went two for four with a triple, a home run, two runs scored, and a walk. He's killing it in points league. His WRC plus is great. I know that, and I respect it. But you're kidding yourself if you think this is more than a Luis Arias clone. It's not a bad thing. I love Luis Arias. But he's but Brendan Donovan, Luis Arias, they're all but certain to hit fewer than 10 home runs, 
steal than ten base, steal fewer than ten bases in a single season. That profile's having a big res- uh, renaissance this season, and it can absolutely dominate in points leagues, be real hot for a short time. But it's going to be hard for Brendan Donovan to have a really high upside in fantasy leagues that are roto or category based because he simply doesn't provide a lot in many categories. Jose Altuve went one for three with a home run, two walks, and two stolen bases. He's well on his way to his first double-digit steal season since 2018. While he's not likely to continue that kind of speed, Jose Altuve is going to yet again push to break his personal home run record of 31, which he's reached in each of the last two full seasons, not counting 20. Despite not having more than six steals in any of the last four seasons, Jose Altuve still has 87 more career steals than home runs. That just tells you a lot about the way his profile has changed over his career. A guy I can't get enough of, Isak Paredes of the Tampa Bay Rays, formerly Detroit Tigers. He went three for three with two doubles and RBI and a walk. The hype train keeps rolling, keeps building steam for this former Tiger, who again, he's not an extreme power hitter. I know you're going to keep seeing the home runs and thinking like, oh man, they're going to figure him out. This is actually a really, really good hit tool guy. It just happens to be turning into power right now because he's getting stuff that he can clear the fences with. Expect more of these doubles to come forward even if the home runs slow down. Rowdy Telez of the Brewers, he went two for four. Two home runs, four behind a walk. This is just very indicative of who Rowdy is. He's a lefty masher who will absolutely beat up on guys like maybe Jose Barrios when they have an off night. More on him in a bit. He's not on the hitter list right now, but Rowdy Telez is a guy who's always kind of in the back end just based on what kind of matchups he's seeing. He gets a lot of right-handers. He's someone I'm willing to put into lineups. You know, pretty much any time I need a first baseman replacement, but he just doesn't have the upside, I think, a lot of people. Willie Adamas, also of the Brewers, he went three for five with an RBI and two runs scored. Just want to point out that he's got a hit in eight of his last nine starts, and he's slugging 6-10 during this stretch, while the batting average is only just starting to settle in after he came back from missing time with an injury. The power has not gone anywhere. There's no reason Adamas can't be what we always wanted Paul DeYoung to be, a 30 home run hitting shortstop who isn't a sandbag in the batting average department. And then Taylor Ward, he went two for four with a double, and it took a minute, but he seems to have broken through the fog that set in while he was out. He's hitting 378, hitting 552 during his current seven game hitting streak, and if he can even be a halfway decent hitter, he should have no problem staying in the leadoff spot for the remainder of the year. Taylor Ward's only challenger for that leadoff spot comes in the currently injured David Fletcher, and as long as Ward is hitting in front of the two most impressive baseball players of our generation, named Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, Taylor Ward's fantasy production potential is unquestionable. Now, of course, the starting pitching performance is from yesterday. If you want to know more about these, of course, check out Nick Pollock's always amazing SP Roundup, or anytime you're on the site, check out the pitcher player pages we have, every single one has amazing game logs. When you open up those game logs, you also get Nick's blurb from the SP Roundup from that relevant start. So please, please, please make sure you're checking those out. And start out with Jose Barrios of the Blue Jays. He was against those Brewers and he got wrecked, folks. 2.2 innings pitched, 8 earned runs, 8 hits, 2 walks, just 1 strikeout on 4 whiffs, 66 pitches. And after rattling off his three, his best 3-game stretch of the season, Barrios finds a new low after back to back appearances, giving up a total of 14 earned runs to 20 base runners over his last 6.2 innings, striking out just two. You don't cut him yet because if the curveball bounces back, this is a solid starter, the guy that we just saw, but you really need to bench him until you feel good about it. Really pick and choose your battles. Jose Urquidy of the Astros went against the Yankees. He went seven innings pitched, one earned run on just one hit, three walks, three strikeouts, eight whiffs, and 100 pitches. And what a great two-start week for Akiti. He stifled both New York teams over 13 innings, allowed just five hits and two earned runs. The low strikeout rates are a bit of a clue as to the source of his success. It has to do with a lot of weak contact off the fastball. This isn't showing like a major change for Akiti, who remains a useful, if unspectacular, back-end fantasy arm 
who can be a bit volatile due to lack of strikeouts and the fact that he does need batters to hit the ball to really have his best success right now. Spencer Strider of Atlanta went against the Dodgers and hey, this is just something he's doing right now. He went six innings pitch with zero earned runs, five hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts. And look, two pitch pitchers need fastball control to be effective. Spencer Strider had that fastball control on Sunday. It forced those Dodgers hitters into uncomfortable positions where they couldn't just sit on something over the heart of the plate. Now that command has eluded Strider at times. His consistency will depend on that command because if he ever falls behind too much, he's got to throw fastballs and that fastball isn't good enough to beat hitters all on its own. He needs that slider working. So Dylan Cease of the White Sox, he had a great day as well. He went against the Orioles. He gets the win on seven innings pitched, one earned run, four hits, one walk, and 13 strikeouts. There's no question the young southpaw can miss bats, though the whip remains slightly problematic if you want him to have a staying power. Nick will be featuring him on the live stream of the creation of the list today at 1 p.m. on Twitch. That's Eastern Time, 1 p.m. on Twitch. So check it out if you want to know more about Dylan Cease. Shane McClanahan, the ace that he is, went against the Pirates. He went seven innings pitched on one earned run, four hits, no walks, ten strikeouts because the guy's an ace through and through. David Peterson of the Mets, he had a second great start. He went against the Miami Marlins. No decision. He went seven innings pitched on two earned runs, four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts, 16 whiffs, 21% CSW, 104 pitches. And look, he beat up on the same opponent twice in a row. That means something, but it's going to mean a lot more if I see him beat up on the Rangers, his next opponent, who actually suffer from a lot of the same offensive issues that the Marlins have in that their lineup isn't super deep and the most troublesome bats are also prone to whip. Tyler Molly of the Reds went against the Giants. Uh, he was in San Francisco. He's been better on the road. He went 6.2 innings pitch, three earned runs, four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Something to know about him, he's gone at least six innings in eight of his last nine starts with six quality starts during that stretch. The inconsistency will drive you nuts. The home runs are scary, especially when he's at home in Great American Ballpark. But look, the guy's rolling and there's nothing you can really say say about that other than the fact that he is and you kind of kind of got to keep leaving him in your lineup. Nestor Cortez was against her kitty and the Astros. He got a no decision on five innings pitch, three earned runs, five hits, two walks, but seven strikeouts. And look, it wasn't a quality start. It's not a win, but it's seven strikeouts against a tough Astros team. And that's good news. Jose Suarez of the Angels went against the Mariners. He got the win on six innings pitch, one earned run, five hits, no walks, and eight strikeouts. And in 15.1 June innings, Jose Suarez has 18 strikeouts and a 2.35 ERA. Again, that's in just 15.1 innings. I'm thinking this is probably more of a flash in a pan than a major breakout, but the last two starts for Jose Suarez have been excellent, and he certainly took well to having an opener here in this last one. And then finally, Jackson Tetro of the Nationals went against the Rangers. He got the win on six innings pitch, one earned run, four hits, two walks, and four strikeouts. I'm not big on Tetro, but I won't argue that he wasn't highly effective on Sunday against the Rangers, who are a team that can be. We will close out yesterday's recap with the relief pitchers who made an impact. Lou Trevino had back-to-back saves this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, his first time earning a save in consecutive appearances since April 13th and 16th. While his 7.17 ERA is hard to ignore, the 2.80 FIP seems to suggest he's a little better than what he's shown. Oakland has a rough schedule coming up with the Yankees, Mariners, Blue Jays, and Astros all on the horizon. So if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, and you don't feel like picking up Trevino yet, you're not desperate for saves, go ahead and wait for that to clear up a little. There's not going to be a ton of saves to have in there, uh, as far as I can. Kendall Graveman in the White Sox first save opportunity since Monday. Graveman's the one who got the call in the ninth as Joe Kelly was using the eighth. It's worth noting that Graveman has three unearned runs over the last two outings, and Kelly's given up two hits in each of his last two, so if you're looking for bullpen clarity, you will not find it in Chicago. Tanner Rainey picked up his third save of the week, 
And while he's allowed at least one base runner in all three of his appearances, he still got the job done. The Marlins have a lot of winnable games on the horizon with series against the Pirates, Marlins, and the Harperless Phillies taking them through the first week of July. So definitely someone you want to pick up in maybe some more shallow leagues where he may be still waiting around because his ratios have not been great. Then Andrew Bellotti got to save for the Phillies. He struck out six of the eight batters he saw this week, including one more last night. Both Brad Hand and Saranta Dominguez were available, so it just adds to the mystery and the allure of the Phillies pen that I am just really wanting to avoid right. Before we go and look at the day ahead, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show And now we are back to look at the day ahead, and the way we always start that out is with our good friend Mark talking about the weather. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Sunday was relatively quiet, and we go to a new week, and we're not going to be so quiet. We have a slow-moving cold front slamming into the I-95 corridor corridor that's going to spark some showers and thunderstorms, and there's two games that could be affected. One is, is a AL matchup between the Oakland Athletics and the New York Yankees, and the other is an NL East matchup between the, well, I guess it's not the NL East anymore, I'm back in the 80s, between the Pirates and the Nationals. At least it's an NL matchup there. Those are the two games we'll have to keep an eye out for tomorrow. Showers and thunderstorms will be around, especially early on. Have a good one. Thank you, Mark. We always appreciate your insight. As far as streamers go, we'll start with some starting pitching. Really just one. It's a short slate today, so Chris Bubich draws the Rangers. He's looked good in his last two outings on the road against the Giants and Angels. It's a short slate. He's got a vulnerable opponent. I'll take it. He's a two-starter this week, someone that I'm mildly interested in, especially in deeper leagues. As far as hitters are concerned, look, start right at the top. Any Dodger in the lineup against Chad Cool today in Coors takes priority, particularly lefties like Muncie or Ballinger or Gavin Lux. A guy you might think of for the whole series is actually Trace Thompson. He's a righty, striking out far too much, but the Dodgers are giving a lot of run in the outfield, especially while Mookie Betts is out, and he could easily swat his way into a double or two, maybe even steal another base in the series. He got one yesterday. And then any pirate against Eric Fed. Eric Fed's is vulnerable and really as anyone, it's something Nick calls out by saying, don't trust the feds. Your opponents might see this as a streaming opportunity because Fed's been, you know, somewhat successful at times against a weak opponent like the Pirates. But I disagree entirely. I think this is actually a trap for Fed. It's a very left-handed lineup for the Pirates. Something I think you can really take advantage of in DFS or in daily action. O'Neal Cruz, Brian Reynolds, they'll be the ones that are probably the most spoken for. But Jack Sawinski, Daniel Vogelbach, Bly Madras... Cal Mitchell, all should be widely available and or inexpensive as streamers or DFS options. 
Definitely think you should look that way. I think they can really jump on Eric Fed. So we thank you so much for listening to the First Pitch Podcast. Hope we check out, I hope you all check out the rest of the stuff we have on the site. It's all great stuff. You know, me and Chad and Dan and Kevin are just really happy to be able to share this with you all the time. Thanks so much for listening. Feel free to give us any feedback you've got. Check out the site. Give us feedback there. We've got the header list coming out later this week. Nick's list comes out today. Lots of exciting stuff. So thanks for you all for listening and have a great rest. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.